Hello, and welcome to the Oscar Went To, the podcast that looks back at a year in film and sees what films endured, what films didn't, and attempts to figure out why. Please give it up for your masters of ceremony, Max Salim and Nick Mestad. All right, Max, how you doing? Good, dude. Good. Very good, special good. episode we, uh, today. Very special episode. I'm excited to, so special. I want to dive immediately right into it. No, no fat on this one. Uh, hello and welcome to the Oscar went to this week uh, as a supplement to our 1995 episode. We are getting our scuba gear on and doing a deep dive into the 1995 teen hit film Clueless written and directed by Amy Heckerlin. I'm Nick and I'm Max. On this podcast, we like to look back at a year in film and decide what has aged well and what hasn't and try to figure out why. If that sounds interesting to you, jump back a few episodes into our, our, in our feed and check out our recap of the year in film that was 1995. Uh, and then after that recap, we like to jump into the depths and take a closer look at some of the films that piqued our interest from a given year. A quick disclaimer, our deep dive episodes are no holds barred and we'll absolutely get into spoiler territory. So if by chance you have not seen Clueless and you're interested in seeing Clueless, we recommend you watch Clueless before you listen to this episode. Clueless and <laughs> very special guest joining us today, a, aside from being one of the funniest people on the planet, uh, an extremely talented performer. She is also one of my closest and oldest performing friends. Miss Devin Bachrath. Hi. Love. Can welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. I couldn't be more excited. Thanks for joining couldn't us. Be more excited to have you here. Um, this uh, it is worth warranting. Aside from Max listing this in his uh, clueless. Uh, in his top five for 1995. We also got a request to uh, do this deep dive from listener Anya. So Anya, this is for you and for all the Clueless fans out there. Uh, the three of us on this podcast included, we're diving into Clueless. Very excited. Max, you had this listen in your top five. Do you do you want to kind of get us started on on how you feel about this film, what this film is? Well, you know, actually, let me let me say that. Um, another reason this is a special episode is because I will be leaving in a moment yes. and, uh, you two are on your own. And you know, uh, the reason, <laughs> the reason I'm leaving is because I am in the midst of pre-production on my first feature film as a producer Woo! and Nick, it is a lot more work than I ever would have expected. And, uh, Okay. I, I'm sort of lacking the time to watch movies and chat with you. And this makes me really sad because this is uh, one of my favorite things to do. Same. Um, I'm also a little bit nervous because I feel like whenever like I'm listening to a podcast and one person disappears for a little bit, mm -hmm. then then like the, the the there seems to be a push towards this being the new norm. You know what I mean? I'm scared that the listeners will revolt and be like, oh my God, now I understand how much Max was holding this back. So I hope oh, you still, if that happens, I hope you still, you know, have me on in a couple weeks when I can, when I can rejoin. And, Max, to, that I, and to that I say, hello listeners. Well, uh, welcome to Devin <laughs> and Nick podcast movies. Yes. We, we, Max, you think this is a guest appearance. This is an audition for the new co-host. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> It is and it's going really well so far. So yeah. I hate to. I, you got just 
you just hang up the Zoom call on me right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's the last oh, anyone Omax. ever hears from me. Yeah. Oh, Max, you you have a conflict? I didn't know that, but see ya. Um, do I do my monologue now? Yes. We I had her. I had Devin come up with a, a new boilerplate for the podcast. <laughs> I know. I know, Nick. When I'm not here, I know that I've always been more into the boilerplate than you. So I. I, I hope the listeners report back if if you start foregoing the boilerplates because I have a feeling I, I, you're I w- gonna. I will say we, there, this is a, <laughs> a complimentary partnership, and one of the things is that if we didn't have that boilerplate, my roommate listened to the podcast recently and was like very grateful for the boilerplate because like I lose sight, like I just assume that like anyone listening, like it's clear what we're trying to do, and the boilerplate I think like really is a compass for any any listeners so uh, if i could just for the listeners at home um if yes. you're not familiar with a boilerplate that's a it is a stove that's correct exactly it's an oven we bring along with us for every episode. every episode so <laughs> let me i i need to go do production yes. things unfortunately i want to just chat yeah. with you guys about clueless because yeah. i i just watched this last night it was in my top five although i hadn't seen it in several years and I don't know. I don't know. Like, I love this movie. I really do. It gives me a warm feeling inside. I laugh a lot. I think it's super funny. Um, But I, you know, I usually also, if I'm going to watch a film through an emotional lens, then I usually try to match it with a rational lens. And I couldn't really do that. My, My point is that I love this movie. It gives me a warm feeling inside. I laugh a lot during it. But somehow, I don't really know why. I can't bring the rational mind and the emotional mind together as easily as I can sometimes when watching these movies. Because it's kind of bad, Mm -hmm. too, in some ways. But um, I hope that uh, this is something you guys can dive into. And maybe after listening to this episode, because I'll surely listen, even if I'm on set, um, maybe you you two can can bring me some clarification on, on this film. But it stays in my top five. Spoiler alert, it stays in my top five. And I'm going to bid you two farewell. And I can't wait to listen to this episode in a couple weeks. Thanks for joining us, Devin. Nick, I will catch you on the flip side, my friend. Okay, so Devin, mm-hmm. super thrilled to have you here. So let's get started. Just like set the scene. Like, what was your first like experience with Clueless? Like, do you remember like when you first saw it? Like, what was your reaction? All that. Absolutely. Yes, okay. love it. Um, so 1995, I would have been, oh God. I think we were eight. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, fourth grade is when I remember this being formative. And that was an interesting year for me because that was the first year as a child that I was like, I'm going to be into clothes. So this (laughs) movie hit me hard. Okay. Yeah. We were at like peak. 90s fashion smiley mm-hmm. face shirts oversized baggy overalls uh-huh. limited two was on fleek yeah mm-hmm. limited two that was a, did that store exist before i feel like limited two would be something that like that clueless like is a store that like clueless made happen i do think that I, I would, someone would have to fact check, but I, uh, I do believe it existed before that, but they, mm-hmm. I mean, their stock had to go through yeah. the roof. Can't imagine. Because that is where I bought my feather pen. Okay. The feather pens, the which I remember pen. every, like that, like that was so prevalent in my fourth grade class. Yes. And I pen. proudly was the first girl in my class to have the feather pen. It was black with a sparkly 
pen part uh-huh. and black poof at the top. And um, gotta say, it was very satisfying to see those little poofs start popping up all sure. over the room. Trendsetter. Your share. So, so did did you see this movie in theaters? Was it like a rental? Did you own it? Like, what was the? I believe I saw it at a sleepover. Perfect. That I don't have an exact memory of that, which is funny. (laughs) I was probably absolutely trashed on candy. (laughs) Yeah, but blackout, blackout, high on sugar. Yeah, big time. Sure. But um, I mean, it was like at that age, you think, uh, teenagers are the coolest people ever yeah i mean they look like barbies Mm -hmm. uh i remember one time as a child i was like watching some teenage girls cross the street or something and i said to my mom look at all those babysitters (laughs) um so i guess (laughs) and she was like they're called teenagers Um, but that yeah, I mean, so I, I was like a Barbie kid. I had a real fascination and like reverence for the teenage girl. They seemed so cool. Yeah, that is phenomenal. It, this group. hit me. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Okay. So, cause I remember this, cause I remember my cousins, my like, like I had two cousins. It was me and my brother and then our cousins who were both girls I remember like we would spend a lot of time over at their house and I remember they they were like Clueless was like their re- it was such a reference point for them. They had it. So what I saw of Clueless growing up was just bits and pieces and it was when we would sleep over at our cousin's house and it would just like kind of be on. Always on. Yes. Mm-hmm. And my and my one cousin is like four year, three or four years older than me and so she was like kind of like, you know, the the the, the example of like what's cool and like what people babysitter. are into. B- babysitter. Exactly what you're saying. Hell yeah. And so it was like sort of that like, oh, like Ashley likes this. Oh, cool. Like this is like, you know, um, the feather pens and the like whatever. Like just it, it, Clueless was like the pure influence. Like it just felt like that was like ground zero for so much of like the trends that I remember from when we were like in within the three, four years after this. And like kind of like the 90s. Like that is like part of like why it's like such a reference point. And, you know, Nick, I mean, I'm jumping ahead, I think, but. Um, well, here it. I I also am jumping ahead. Do do it. Let's let's dive into some scenes, moments from the movies, and then we'll okay. get to kind of like legacy a little later. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. So, what uh, what like moments, scenes from this movie are like iconic favorites of yours, or that you just like kind of like? Um. Okay. Well, as a as a as a little girl. Yeah. Um. Number one, the idea of her having a computer. First of all, having a computer in her room. (laughs) Totally, Um, sure. Okay, so I think for a lot of people that was like, first of all, the epitome of wealth that you could have a computer in your room. Let's all revisit that for the for the young bucks out there who think laptops are books that you can just buy at a bookstore. Yeah, so she had a computer and then that closet and her bedroom were insane. Um, and then sort of akin to that is obviously the iconic makeover scene. Um, Interesting. Hang on. So the computer, the computer, I like watch it because I realized I rewatched this last night. And by rewatch, I mean kind of unconsciously, like I, I realized I haven't really seen this movie. I had seen it like when I was really tired one time uh-huh. and like, I guess I like, slept through most of it. Like watching it, I had no idea, like really like other than like kind of the like feel of the movie. I hadn't seen this movie. So watching it last night, that computer moment 
is like so because you don't see computers i don't think for the rest of the movie but like for this one moment it is like kind of this like it, it, you just it, it, it yes it's this thing that kind of is like throughout the movie which maybe we can get into a little later where it's just like this is a heightened reality because like it's like no one is living this way at this moment like no one has a computer that's inefficient that's like way more trouble absolutely than it would be to like not have a computer but like the the look of it like gives especially like like being kids at the time this came out where you're just like this is what this is the ultimate like goal yes it's like that's a thing that people have and like, even though it's like not really something people had at the time, even no. now, but it's like, but it like is like this like heightened reality, but it, it's believable. Like you, you believe it. it's like, oh yeah, people in Beverly Hills, like hyper privileged kids, like li- this is how they live. And it's like, no, not exactly. I mean, and that also nods to like one of the factors that makes it so iconic. It, mm-hmm. it um, another feature, like a little motif that I always find funny is that throughout the movie, you see so many cell phones yeah. and so many nose jobs. Yes. So many people have bandaged noses. Yes, and chins. Yes. Yes. And it just implies that like, I mean, it, it paints such a campy, insane picture yeah. of Los Angeles at yes. that time. 100%. Campy is, is like why perfect. it's so fun. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, it's like a strange thing because it's like hard to divorce like what of it was like uh, just being a kid and just absorbing like any everything that you see in movies as sort of like fact, yeah. Or like like um, like as a general audience member, I don't think like you're necessarily like. I mean, I guess as an adult, you're kind of like able to like divorce like what like what's exaggerated and what's not. But like watching this stuff as like a Midwestern adult, I imagine it would be pretty easy to be like, "Yep, kids out in Beverly Hills, teenagers out in Beverly Hills." Like it's kind of like plastic surgery is kind of like a routine commonplace thing which i don't believe it was right not at all i'm sure it was not well i mean one thing about it that's so wild is that it it, well this to me represents another talking point okay later about the legacy of the film but um it is it, it really also relies on the decadence of the 90s like to be a kid in the 90s was the best yeah i mean if you were you know if you came from like like a i mean the average american at that time Mm -hmm. had a pretty good degree of wealth yeah and so children in that time were completely spoiled yeah yeah yeah. i mean the baby boomers were like i will give you everything that Mm -hmm. i never had Mm -hmm. um and so the movie also plays with that idea, which I think is another reason that it's so... That's a great point. So broadly captures... Yo, that's a really... Okay, let's let's return to that because that is a rich point. Yeah, sure. Um, Okay, other other scenes, moments. Uh, I mean, obviously, Miss Geist and... um, Yeah. Oh, my God. Wallace Mr. Hall, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's so... It's... The Valley Party is incredible. The Alaya dress. Um, rolling is, with the homies. Suck and blow. The card game. Yes, I mean, so many yes. things that made being a teenager seem so, yes. like, spectacular. That Valley Party scene is the only scene I remember from what, like, what, like, absorbing things at my cousin's house watching it because yeah. it was like and it was exactly that reason because it was just like watching it you're like this is what teenage teenage dumb is yeah it's like it's it's like 
kind of kissing it's like romance it's like drinking it's like dancing it's like this is what is cool and if i'm not doing this i'm a loser yes and Uh, apparently high school is being a wealthy late Mm -hmm. 20s something Mm -hmm. um with a lot of drama (laughs) i mean like the only characters to me that really feel like kids are um Ty and Travis, the skateboard kid. Yes. Travis Birkenstock. Another fun detail. His freaking last name is Birkenstock. I mean, what a camp. Camp, camp, camp. Yes. Um, but yeah, like one of the things I was remembering is that like before Ty gets her big makeover, Mm -hmm. um, she she like flirts with Travis over yes. Marvin the Martian. Yes, and and just like art and like kind of like he's like you have really good uh, what what does he say? He's like you have really good like form or really good like representation or something like that. Yes, like they yeah. nerd out yeah. and they're that, genuinely. Yeah. It feels like that's what high schoolers are, right? Yes. Well, that's like a real like genuine like that's like real humanity connection. Yes. yes. Yeah. And there's this moment too at the valley party where he like he crowd surfs but nobody catches him yeah and he falls and you know ty's like are you okay whatever um and she's like that was so cool and he says if or and she's like i wish i could do that but he says if girls did that what would guys do to impress them which is so teenage like that's actual teenage and then the divorce of Cher and like Dion and their crew being mm-hmm. like high school boys are a no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It that to me is always really interesting too because it, it did sort of create like a I do think it I mean the movie is responsible in my mind for the Valley Girl fad too. I remember okay. being a child and having like kids get in trouble at school for talking like a valley girl. Shh. Sure. Th- An example of a valley girl is just like what, like the like as if, as if, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. like talking like this, like yeah. um, kind of the beginning of like vocal fry, like yeah. uh, paving the way for the Kardashians yes, to be. Of cool. course, of course. Yes. That, that, that's really interesting because it's like, and this kind of goes back to like our uh, earlier point that we were kind of starting to like allude to, where it's like because the movie is camp and it's like it's it's totally self-aware and like part of the joke and i think the reason it's really hard not to get into talking points talking about this stuff yeah. uh it the reason this like the the movie is a completely aware of like what it's mocking and like satirizing and like that's part of the reason it's like aged so well is because it is self-aware like i was expecting to laugh at this movie and like yes. kind of the like charming dated way that like a, a movie that's like just totally unabashedly steeped in like the you know dated elements that it is like just like that's how you you know you laugh at it and I was laughing with the movie the entire time and I was like so surprised and like pleasantly surprised to be doing that because it's just like it's so it's like because it's like maybe because it's like based on Emma and like just like this classic story and has this like classic story structure the way I sort of thought about it was that like the story is kind of just like pasta and like the valley girl 90s stuff is like sauce and it's like the story is timeless and compelling whereas like the sauce of this is so well done and tasty and like perfectly done that like I can watch this like 25 years later and be like 
fuck, this is great. Yeah. Like it's so it's using its elements so perfectly. And like to your point of like the Valley Girlness, where it's like it's campy and it's like making fun of that, but like as viewers, you. you you, we want it to be it. You want it to be it. Mm-hmm. And you viewed it as like the representation of it being like an endorsement for it when it's like not. But yeah. it's like, but it is so charming and it looks so good. And especially as a kid, you're like, yep, this is what like the the, the ultimate of like being a teen is. It's like you're going to aspire to that. Yes. And I remember also, I mean, in some ways it was a bad influence because. Sure. I mean, I was so into shopping yeah. after it. I was like, <laughs> right. I need to go to limited too. Yeah. I have to get a green pleather jacket. Yes. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, like the fashion, again, is so intense and over the top and such a representation of like 90s fashion on steroids too. yeah it's like right. i mean like it's iconic yeah. everything in it is iconic it's impossible to not be influenced by it 100 percent. and camp is like such a like that is I, that had not entered my brain but that is totally it where it's like heightened to the level of like comedy yes and, like, and, and like, such a genius formula too and that was like mm-hmm. a, another thing about it that's funny is like i don't know if clueless was like one of the early films doing this but um so many movies in the 90s really borrowed from classic like shakespeare or um you know yeah. jane austen and then mapped a modern twist on top of it and mm-hmm. that is so if it's done well, like such a genius way to make a story connect with a generation, you know, it's like 100% piece of cake. Yeah, I do. We'll get into, um, you know, little splitting hairs moments mm-hmm. about that. But okay. um, yeah, yeah, I do think it was I mean, it, it is so representative of its time. Yeah. Some scenes moments I have, I really like the the needle drops in this movie, like the soundtrack of it is like so great. And it's like. Almost like a, um, it reminded me of like a Martin Scorsese movie where it's just like unabashed, like, oh, we're going to like, these needle drops are going to be like, there's not going to be silence in between a lot of these. Like, we're just going from one song to another song immediately. And it like works. And it's like, it works in the whole sense of the movie of it. It's just like this, it feels like it's this barrage of like colorful images and music and characters and catchphrases and like little quips and images like and it just keeps coming and it like really works well it's like this like fire hose but a really like well crafted one where it just like totally works where it's like oh my god like and that harkens back to a time also where i feel like remember where the soundtrack of a movie was so important yeah because you're gonna go to best buy or coconuts or whatever coconuts i'm not yeah. familiar with coconuts coconuts was like a cool it's like sam goody type CD thing shop yeah um but you you know you were gonna go there and you're gonna buy yep. the cd yep. of the movie soundtrack mm-hmm. so i do feel like there was a different I mean, movies today obviously still have excellent soundtracks, but sure. there was something really thoughtful and um, intentional. Yeah. And um, that to me also speaks to the film being like very beautifully collaborated upon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, the music is so important. Truly. For this movie being as iconic as it is. For I mean, sure. Supermodel. That's the song they play when they're doing the makeover. Oh. It will forever be burned into my mind. Wow. I mean, the use of all the young dudes. Uh, that that I that is like one of my favorite moments. Love that. It's moment. like so 
because I mean that I mean all the young dudes like as a song is just like so great like such a great song and the, the, them cutting to that it's like kind of in the middle of the movie and it's just this like feeling of like it's just like very to me a particular sweet spot because it like it so encapsulates like oh we're still doing montages to music like this deep into the movie and it works and it's like also like the dudes that they're looking at like if you were to like recommend Clueless to someone who had no idea what Clueless was, like I'd literally never heard anything about it. Like you could show them that like little snippet and be like, this is what Clueless is where it's just like, I guess it, maybe that's not fair. Cause it's, it's just like dudes, but like, it's just like, they're so they're dressed so campily in like, like nineties, just such a heightened characterized characterized version of nineties cliche dress where it's like the low jeans with the boxers hanging out and the hats and oh. the shirt. Like it's just, and there's like them striding down. And it's so, there's so many times in this movie, I was watching this on my laptop by myself last night. And I was, there was probably like eight times throughout the movie where I like full on, like laughed out loud for yes. a while. And this was one of them. Cause it's like this mixture of like genuine funny along with just like, it's just so good. Like it's just so perfectly done where it's just like, and it, it, to Max, like going back to Max's point earlier, it's like it's hard to put your finger on it where it's like this mix of like heart and true craft and style. And it's like, like Heckerling like clearly knows exactly what she's fucking doing with it because it's just so good from front to end. And that's like that moment is like so good to me. Yes, I absolutely adore that moment. And I don't care what Cher is saying. Mm-hmm. I was so attracted to all of sure. those boys because I mean, just like the girls, they look so cool. Yeah. And, you know, there's the young pocket of the millennials late like early generation Gen Z's who are watching that and like fully beating off about it because 90s fashion is back. I mean, good point. We'll get into that too. This is good. Yes. Okay. Uh, Do you have any other, any scenes moments particularly? Um, I mean, it is hard to like, I know, I know we can kind of go on forever. Yeah. Cause it's all so much fun in it and it's consistent, you know, it really like the aesthetic and the writing and mm-hmm. the performances are all so fun. Yeah. I also weirdly like this is going to make it seem like Travis Birkenstock is a ma- major character to me, but I always love, um, well, I love all the scenes that take place in the classroom. Um, yes. how the teachers Same. are passionate, good people mm-hmm. who really care about what they do, mm-hmm. but they're not angry at the kids. Right. Um, they just like kind of accept the reality of the bubble yes. that they exist in. And I yes. always appreciated that too. Yes. Um, but yeah, like for me, one of the funniest moments is when um, Travis gets the sarcastic award for most tardy. I I was just about to reference this moment. Yes. Love That's like a perfect, speech. like everything you're saying. Yes. And the teacher's just like, kind of like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. but like just letting them do it. Yeah. I mean, and there's that element too, where, um, you do notice that even though everyone is like vapid and insane and the mm-hmm. movie is literally called Clueless, those kids in the movie uh, have a weird kind of intellectual sophistication. Yes. Um, yes. And there's such a, a, an attention to like 
vocabulary yes that i had totally forgotten about and i would imagine that's a little bit of a nod to emma and trying to preserve some of Mm, that yeah but it also represents that wealth too of the 90s that these kids have access to this unbelievable education Mm -hmm. system Mm -hmm. they're all talking on phones and fucking around during class but Mm -hmm. they're still hyper-educated yes seeming it it seems wasteful in the way that they present like how they use language and how they perform academically like that her report card is literally argued Uh, so i yes Uh, 100 these are i mean you're reading my mind because it's like it's like the fact that her dad is it's like is proud of her that she argued her way from like a low grade to a high grade and not like not upset that she like cheated yes i loved it was like so refreshing and unexpected and surprising because it was just like nine out of ten times like uh like the the, the, you know that you're just expecting the parent to be like what do you mean you cheated and he's just like the fact that he's like that's great i'm so proud of you you argued away from a c plus to an a minus like that's great like it's so refreshing and um it's a different world i mean like that is what his worldview is as a parent yes. because he is this incredibly successful lawyer yes i this mean like this like grotesquely successful yes. like grotesque is uh, is also a word that describes this reality yes um and the intelligence of the characters is like particularly share where it's like i found myself like l- truly loving her like oh, yeah. she's so good because it's like it's a it's like that mix of like you have like the the stereotype of like airheaded bimbo like spoiled like, clueless yeah and she's so she, she's like seemingly extremely intelligent and like self-aware of the people around her and like giving like she it's like i was like as i was watching this movie it is like confusing because it's like well what is Cher's problem like because it's like okay she like says that she doesn't like date high school guys so like maybe it'll be about her like dating a high school guy and then like but like and then like it turns out that she's like she just be, like gives more like it becomes like more conscious about giving in the world around her which is like it is believable and it totally is satisfying and works within the movie but at the same time it's like throughout the movie she is like she's never anything she gets she's like she's like her head is above everybody else in terms of she has a bird's eye view of like the social dynamics around her and helping out the teachers to like manipulate them to like help her so everyone's grades are elevated and she's like kind of the hero of the class and then like this new girl comes in and she's like yeah we're gonna take her on and genuinely help her not like maliciously or like manipulatively but nick we must say uh paul rudd's character josh makes a very good point when they're driving around Cher is like all proud of herself for doing something nice at school and Mm -hmm. then he says i if he says something to the effect of like if this thing you did isn't 99 percent serving your own self-interest then i will die of shock um and so i do think there's this awesome Mm. for me her arc is that with all her privilege and all of her um status she is arrogant enough to believe that she can shape and improve other people's lives because she has it all figured out. That's good, but she doesn't have it all figured out. She does not. And Mm -hmm. then she slowly, through imitating the actions of a giving person, Mm -hmm. 
uh, develops that awareness and actually does become like truly philanthropic to the point, you know, of um, wanting to help with the fundraising Mm -hmm. or the um, collection of items for the people that lost all their stuff. You know, it's like she does truly have this arc. And in a way, it's such a padded, safe route because manipulating the teachers into falling in love is so so selfish, so arrogant. And manipulative. I mean, it is. Manipulative. Yeah, yeah and it is so, so rude. Yeah. Like the yeah. audacity Truly. of Good what call. they do. Yeah. But because it has a nice outcome, she never gets punished for yeah. her little journey learning how to be kind. It's like a really, like a really intelligent character's problem. That's so, that's really good. Yeah. 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 It's fun. It's good shit. It is really good shit. Ooh. It is really good shit. I also like, Alicia Silverstone, like, I know this, like, was such a, like, breakthrough for her. And, like, watching this, it's, like, it, I mean, it's just, like, so apparent. Like, yes. it, she is so good in this role. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really hard to. It's hard to imagine overstate. anybody else playing that part. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's perfect. We're kind of into talking points. Okay. One of mine was that, like, we've already kind of touched upon, which is like uh, laughing with the movie. Like I was really expecting to like the charm of the movie to be the dated element of it. And like what I was so shocked at pleasantly. So was the fact that it's like the dated elements, like it knows it's dated and like, yes, intentionally leaning in and heightening that to like a comic degree. Well, and I think that there, I mean, also, you know, I, to me, the movie is also very drag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. It's so, I mean, again, heightened representation of, of a version of like hmm. femininity and performance of a certain identity. And um, to me, that might, I mean, I, I have no idea, but to me, there feels like a little queer influence on it. Sure. Um, yeah. And that to me is part of, maybe why some of the humor stands because or some of Mm. the humor has aged relatively well um Mm -hmm. because it feels like there was like maybe a level of diversity or or uh interesting point of view offered to some of the writing and sure and the content i mean like some of the lines are so incredible and so funny that you can't i mean they, they stand the test of time like did you write that? Duh, it's like a famous quote. From where? Cliff's Notes. I mean, <laughs> yes. old people can be so sweet. Uh, Miss Stoker, my plastic surgeon, doesn't want me doing any activities where balls fly up my nose. Well, there goes your social life. Yes. I mean, like, these are burns. And I, I, I wrote down the line right before that, which is, oh, no, Mrs. Stoker, I have a... No, no, Miss Stoker, I have a note from my tennis instructor, and he would prefer... He preferred if I didn't expose myself to any training that might derail his teaching. Yes. Like, it's just like every word of that is like, fuck. It's, I mean. So good. It is too, it's too funny to not age well. There's, yes. I'm, I, obviously, there are a couple things yeah. that we can get into. It's splitting hairs. Yeah. Um, But I, I think it's remarkable that this film is, what, like 25 years old and yeah. still holds so much humor because it, it is yeah. so rare to like, watch something that you loved so much that's older and yeah. not come away being like, 
yeah not as good as i remember it totally like a total disappointment yes absolutely i yeah i think the writing is truly like i mean i know it's important for all movies but like for this movie particularly where it's just like the dialogue of it is and the the perspective of it is so self-aware and not like and it has so much heart but it's so self-aware of what it is and what it's parodying yes is like and it's just so good but it's like to your point earlier of like the how smart the characters are talking is because it's mixed with like at least what I'm expecting to be like kind of the valley girl sort of airheadedness yeah and they're they are like valley girl types but they are talking so intelligently all the characters are talking so intelligently it's so satisfying and like fun to see that combination yes um yeah it's like a mix of like high and low and it's like a very unexpected like mixture in it oh my god it's, it's just so, so good. the formula is so good yeah i mean it's like from an improv perspective you know mm -hmm. like take like mapping something right. that already works so well Yes. With every little detail considered, the fashion, mm. the uh, location scouting, like mm -hmm. uh, the verbiage. I mean, all of it is so beautifully thought out that yes. it, it just really like it stands the test of time. And one of my favorite parts is um, when Murray calls Dion woman. Yeah. He like comes up to her and asks her for like a dollar or something. <laughs> yes. And then I wrote this down because I just like. I had to rewind it to revisit um, his quote, but he says, street slang is an increasingly valid form of expression. Most of the feminine pronouns do have mocking, but not necessarily mis misogynistic undertone. God damn. And then Ty says, you guys talk like grown-ups. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then Cher says, this is a really good school. God damn. I mean, that for me, like, really captures a perfect example of that yes. combination. That's the whole, like, reality of it. The writing, baby. Yeah. It's so good. Because it's like, it's you're totally right. Because it's like, it's like, they're justified. It justifies, like, the intelligence of the characters as it's a really good school. Even though in reality that it's it's like it, that's still heightened. Like kids don't talk like that, but it's yes. like in this reality that works, and it also like speaks to the character of everyone of how privileged they are to be going there. Like it works so well, and how they're wasting it. Yes, I mean, like right. the behavior God. in class is so flippant. Yeah, and yet somehow through privilege and wealth, they're still absorbing this language and right. and this level of. Um, intelligence and yes like, it's totally. insane how well like share the two times i counted that she like is just kind of called upon to debate yeah. in class and she just like fucking nails it like and it's in yeah, such that. a stupid way in such a stupid way but like in an effortless way as well where it's just like oh that's like a lawyer that yes. is like a litigator you know it's like okay what's it i need to argue i'll argue any side yeah it doesn't matter what it is i yeah. mean that to me is like such an intelligent that's such a genius um detail of the writing too because mm -hmm. it also nods to you know its original inspiration there's one line in particular um when Cher is talking about um Mr. Hall mm -hmm. she says like he works this thankless job where he makes mere ducats <laughs> and uh honestly I think like he wow. could really use a bone fest that yeah. is like another perfect line that's combining yeah. the the inspiration with the present 
Oh man, it, that you're that is so right, and like that's man, that maybe be that might be the thing of this movie. Yes, where it's like because it's the juxtaposition of those two seemingly completely different elements of the source material and the and the setting. And it's just like, oh no, look at look at these things next to each other and how well they work, how in concert they are, but also like how juxtaposed at the same. That is such a good point. Yes. I'm looking at the development of this movie mm-hmm. and Amy Heckerlin, who wrote and directed it, she said, I went to 20th Century Fox and they said, we want to do something about teenagers. And, I'm, and I thought, I'm so tired about doing stuff about teenagers. But they said, we want to do something about the in crowd. I thought, I'll do it if I can make fun of them. So we developed the script. It was a pilot for a TV show. And it was about this girl who was completely happy no matter what happened. And as I was really getting into that kind of character, but nothing happened with it. They passed on it. They didn't get it. I think that that is so interesting that... Um they wanted the story to be about someone who's happy yes. no matter what. Because yes. that's such a, if we really think about it, that's such a rarely told story. Yes. It deviates. I mean, even though we talked about her arc with like being arrogant and then coming to this place, she really doesn't face any challenge along the way. Right. It like deviates from the hero's journey or whatever. Yeah. Um, And I think that's another reason why it's so satisfying because it is just like, you don't ever feel like sad or hurt. Like I right. mean, mostly everyone, everyone does come out on top. You're you're so right. The like, whole time. Yes, it really does. I mean, there's like obviously like the moment when she's down, but even that is like pretty painless. Like and you feel teenage. for her, but like it's, and it's like teenage. the most That's basic, like. Yeah. Milk toast version of pain. She's held up at gunpoint at one point in this movie, and like the tone, and that's when the tone like really kind of like earns its keep, I guess. Where it's just yes. like, man, like he's telling her to lay down on the ground, like how bad. And she, and the way that her character's reacting is kind of this like she's crying, so you really feel like, oh, like oh no, like are you gonna be okay? And then she's like doesn't want to lay down because of the like jacket that she's wearing, the and dress. Then, and, it's an alaya. Yeah. God damn. And then that guy is just like, okay, like just count to a hundred and then runs away. So it's like, he's like, it's like revealed. It's like, okay, he's like, you know, like harmless. Yes. Yes. And like, she's like, she's not like, it doesn't seem like an, you know, like completely torn up about it, like emotionally. And it's like, that's the only time in the movie where it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then it's like, nope, this is the reality we're in. It's like airy. Nothing can really touch us. Yes. Nothing can touch them. I mean, another point that's so funny too, is like um, when they're all sitting around at the table and. Ty is now like kind of treading with Queen Bee territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's talking about the mall incident where the guys hang her over the edge. Right. And um, she's saying like, you know, how her life flashed before her eyes and everyone is so engaged with the drama of it. And Cher tries to chime in with, well, I know when I was held up at gunpoint oh, and yeah. everyone glosses over it. And it's like, yeah. I mean, just like, it shows the priorities of first of all teenagers yeah and also privilege yeah. where like i mean and it's wild because like what's crazy is like privilege is so um is kind of like for good and mostly for good is becoming kind of a dirty word like yeah because absolutely. it's you know people don't realize 
the different kind of walks of life people are coming from and mm-hmm. and I think culturally yeah like we're doing we're doing things to really open up awareness to that and and mm-hmm. have a consciousness about it which is awesome but mm-hmm. it's funny to me with that in mind that like this movie is still fun and um enjoyable to people even though it is such an unbelievable indulgent decadent yes uh play on that it's like subversive like that's what Mm -hmm. it is where it's just like it reminds me of borat a little bit in that way where it's like the people that it's making fun of and like the culture that it's like criticizing is also like loved by that culture like they're completely blind to it and appreciating on in like a different way that's like sort of blind to it like and it's like that's like i think part of the influence of the movie too where it's like oh you can watch this it's also a testament to like truly great movie making where it's like mm-hmm. if this is if something is like truly great it appeals to like the smartest person in the room dumbest person in the room like that whole thing yes. where it's like and, and it's like it's you can totally see it because it's like you can watch it through the lens of like oh look how it's like and super intelligent this movie is is you can also be like like a kid watching it and being like this is the best movie i've ever seen this is my favorite movie of all time and like both are correct yeah you know but it's like it is that thing it's like a testament to the movie making where it's just like okay we're like satirizing this like super privileged lifestyle but at the same time it's accessible to like anyone and like if someone like a beverly hills teen is watching this movie they're probably obsessed with this movie absolutely and it's like totally like it's roasting them but also like not roasting them like it can be it's it's like about interpretation and i mean it it nods very gently to like some things like drugs and sex um Mm -hmm. right but those things went totally over my head as a kid like I I kind of knew what a virgin was I guess like at that age but like all the references to smoking weed like Mm -hmm. I never understood any of that yeah um and that too is interesting because it's relatively clean like it's it's yeah you know no nudity like no like real like sex yeah scenes yeah that's a great call and I also like to that point like I did find myself like watching it last night like they do in that teenage movie way where they're referencing sex and referencing drugs and referencing like illicit things that teenagers do that as a kid you're like okay I gotta like learn that like that's the norm like gotta learn that gotta be doing that like even in like the veiled reference way the not so veiled reference way where it's just like inevitably because it's like teen movies really are like that they're just like the information they're 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 absorbed by the if it's like a popular teen movie about teens that's absorbed as like secrets of the trade for like the younger generation so like okay like american pie okay i gotta like stick my dick in a pastry yeah i gotta like sex is like the the ultimate thing like no matter what and it's like it's this weird thing of like as an adult making a movie about teens it's like i imagine so fun to like remember back and like kind of parody that with like the importance placed on sex the over importance placed on sex like the confusion all this like you're kind of like presenting that but like on the flip side of that being younger you're also taking that as like gospel as like the reality of it so it's like this like self-perpetuating sort of like misinformation machine for well, like entertainment in that way it's nice that it doesn't overly indulge in that correct um, totally because it you know, I remember being like, that party was a naughty party. Sure. You know, like, yeah. um, yeah. something Ty does is bad. Or her and Dion talking about sex was like, well, Cher's a virgin and Cher's the one I identify with. That's a good call. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't like, 
I feel like it's so easy for things like, you know, I think about like an alternative of like euphoria, which is so aggressively focused on those pitfalls of Mm. teenagers indulging in those things. And and it's devastating. Yeah. Um, So there's, I I think, you know, nodding to those things because they are so much a part of that age and and developing and, you know, coming of age, um, but not overly focusing on them is also really refreshing and and Mm -hmm. satisfying. I think that like also goes back to like how like winsome Cher is as a character because she's like, she's like so kind of to her detriment like confident in herself mm. but it is so refreshing to see that like especially in like a teenage movie and like character where it's just like self-confident and like is leading the crew and is like it's just really charming like it's really hard to like not fall completely in love with her it's yeah like, she's just so great let's uh we alluded to splitting hairs mm-hmm. what okay. should we got one of the for me like the big thing that i feel is a weakness in the movie mm-hmm. is the Josh and Cher ending up together thing always gives sure. me the willies. I get it that hmm. they were not actually siblings and yeah. they had that specific detail of um, not only is he no longer or not only is he not her brother, but he's no longer her step sibling either. Yes, um, yes, yes. Which also nods to the like humor of oh, everyone in Hollywood and Beverly Hills is constantly getting divorced, and yes, you right. know, so it, it pads Works. it with that. But yeah. um, yeah, for me, like even as a kid, just that notion always kind of yucked me out. Sure. Um, and I feel like that's one detail that does take me out of the fun of it a mm. little bit. Okay, sure. Um, Cause you know, in Emma, isn't it, I think it's her brother-in-law's brother who she okay. f- discovers she loves. And mm. he's basic. she refers to him almost like a brother because I think he like grew up by her and she's known him her whole life and all that stuff. Um, so I, I really, part of me wishes that they had, played with that a little bit more like maybe he is a neighbor kid who's okay i don't know like yeah in town yeah internship with uh, with her dad or like yeah someone she grew up with who's connected to the family in some way yeah for some reason yeah um and i don't know maybe it was a specific choice because it is a little cringe that sure (laughs) he's her ex-stepbrother yeah like that convoluted family dynamic is feels like a satire in Mm -hmm. a way Mm -hmm. um but that is the one thing that I always sort of hated about it yeah I get like playing devil's advocate a little bit for it the way it's set up in the movie is that it does it does feel though like it's like if it's like a it's like you're mapping everything from Emma onto current like you know 1995 Beverly Hills it's like, okay, he's a brother-in-law, friend of the, like, brother of the brother-in-law and Emma. It feels like so, it does feel like a nice saturation of, like, elements to be like, okay, this is, like, an ex-stepbrother. Because it's, like, to your point earlier, where it's, like, it, it sells so much of, like, oh, yeah, like, multiple marriages and, like, yes. kind of flippant multiple marriages. And, like, the, it, it, like, that is a nice detail, but it is, like, it is, like, a thing I can't imagine that, like, or I imagine that it was like a challenge for them to be like, okay, we have to present this ending in a way that's like as lacking in creepiness as possible. Yeah, because it's what like if we're can ne- be our version of the yes. brother-in-law thing. Yeah, 
um yeah which is a complicated problem to solve i guess in their in when they're doing their math of how to make this movie current and also the factor of them being teenagers somehow he has to be like connected to the family in a way that feels her age yeah yeah totally but i also think that's a nice moment too about um giving a lot of positive um vibes towards Cher's father yeah that he cares for him even though he's yeah no longer his you know yes there was like a like, charge for sure you divorce you divorce spouses not children I believe he says something to that effect which yeah. is like nice yeah like I think the only character that we're like kind of supposed to really hate in the movie is Amber and she was in the TV series, which I don't know if you were a fan of. Like, I she was one of the few that like, watch. yeah, I watched, yeah. I watched a fair amount of that because it was on TGIF for like a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also so funny, and I was she's expecting great. like her to come like play a bigger role, maybe in like the later half of the latter half of the movie. But yeah, I could have used more of her. Yeah, she was great. Um, splitting hairs. I just got a small one, which is like. Brittany Murphy being knocked out at the party by a shoe. Yes. <laughs> it's like, a little, like, like, okay, even for this reality that we have set up, that feels like a little, like, too, too much of a stretch. But she's, and she bonks her head a lot in this Now, movie. Nick, I don't want to, um, again, devil's advocate. But yeah, please. There is an amazing um, line where Mel, Cher's dad, asks Cher, what'd she, le- what'd she do, or what, what'd she learn, or what'd she do at school today? And she pauses and things, and she says, I broke in my purple clogs. Yeah. Um, I think there is a possibility that that clog that hit her, because it is a clog, that was like part of the gag, because clogs were always like slipping off, you know? Clogs are not a very practical shoe. And are they like kind of blocky? I mean, they can be. Like they're inspired by the Swedish wooden clog or like the Dutch wooden shoe I think is kind of its origin yeah <laughs> I'm a real expert um I, I mean I'm I got a fair amount of Swedish blood in me my grandma always had decorative wooden clogs all about yes 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 I, I had no idea and I mean I don't know if like full well yeah I think that like the Swedish has been wooden bottomed clog was kind this, of a thing I like this I like this that is like a very like nice like that probably is true I did like kind of scrub back through the movie like in the in the scenes that I like kind of rewatched every I didn't rewatch the party scene but I the scenes I did rewatch I did find myself like catching details of like oh damn yeah oh oh damn so I could totally see that being like a really like oh that that being a callback exactly I mean this may be a stretch but um yeah I think that's good god damn clogs were huge and they were part of fashion which is one of the major motifs of the film for sure and i feel like i because we we did um uh devil wears prada on this podcast a little while ago and both of us said that the fashion element of that movie similarly was like somewhat lost on us a Mm -hmm. little bit just like not being super into fashion or knowledgeable about fashion and this movie too where it's like that like i feel like is a level a wavelength of it that i wasn't fully appreciating other than like oh the costumes are like really campy and like funny and very 90s but like, yeah, the, the designers she's referencing and all this, it was completely lost on me. Well, the looks are such a seduction to yeah. for, I would, I mean, for an audience, predominantly, yeah. I guess, you know, uh, a gay <laughs> female audience. Yeah. Um, well, and that's like the, the, what's his name in this movie? Um, Christian. 
Christian. I like the way they like kind of like start to hint at that he's gay. Yes. Is like very I didn't I was not expecting that because like when he does originally show up in the doorway of the classroom and he's supposed to be like the hunk of the movie, at least that's how it's presented to you. I did find myself like kind of like, wait, what? Like this isn't the traditional a Hollywood hunk yes. for a movie. Like he, he's like shorter or like he's just presented in this like way that didn't feel consistent with the reality of the movie. So I was like, I was like kind of like, huh? And it's like, okay, so then it turns out that he's gay. Well, and that was the initiation, I think, of like the metrosexual kind of um, sure. culture. Cause that I had to Google it, but Murray refers to him as a cake boy. Yeah. And at Friend first I Dorothy. thought that was like a, sort of like a, I mean, maybe it is sort of a slur, but, um, uh. It literally, like the actual definition I saw was that it means someone's metrosexual. Oh, wow. Um, cake boy. Cake boy. Yeah. Interesting. So, I mean, that's kind of funny too, because that, that becomes such a huge element of culture later in the 90s and in the 2000s, but yeah. ahead of its time, like touching on that. I fully expected re-watching it to hear a full-on slur, but um, I was, you know, again, this, it still doesn't hold up very well this is one thing that's like a we kind of flirting with very bad sure. um but mostly what he says is, is is stereotyping which i guess is better than just straight up um you right. know using slurs but what he says about him and again this for me also has a little moment of feeling like there could have been a little queer influence on the film sure um because he says his direct quote is, um, he's a cake boy, disco dancing, Oscar Wilde reading, Streisand ticket holding, friend of Dorothy. Yeah. Yeah. And Dion replies, he does like to shop and the boy can dress. Yeah. Um, and those are, again, stereotypes about gay people's interests. Sure. Um, but, uh, to me, nothing in that is hateful, and that that was sh surprising to me because of the time. Yeah, yeah, I can get behind that because I like I truly don't know because as I said, friend of Dorothy, just now I was like, ooh, is that like viewed as like maybe a like hateful or like derogatory phrase? It didn't. I mean, I think uh, it's just dated. Um, sure, and it's, I'm sure it represents uh, like a painful time in history for people because it it almost was like AA like where you couldn't say what it was mm. like it was like a right yeah you know but um I think generally that was like a not a not a like horrifically that's the sense I got yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to MVP most valuable player you got anyone oh my gosh okay mine is campy 90s culture yeah that's a good one MVP, the music, the fashion, the fads, the slang, the wealth, the fun, kids growing up at that time with all that privilege, Beverly Hills being this decadent mm -hmm. symbol of that indulgence. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You're, you're, you're so right. And to your point earlier where you said that like, because this takes place in the nineties, it's also like parodying, like kind of like taking away the wealth of it, like the, the, the grotesque wealth of it it's like we it's like growing up in the 90s as a kid like you really had a good childhood mm -hmm. 
Um, I think it was like Jerry Seinfeld like has a bit about this where he's or just like said this where it's like baby boomers were the first like people to have childhoods where it's like if you get to our grandparents it's like they didn't have like quote unquote yeah. like what we consider or recognize as childhoods yeah like now where it's like you're taken care of and you're supported and like you have this like ideal idyllic time up until a certain age where then you kind of like have to kind of like face the music a bit and grow up. And it's like, so our parents, like, were the first generation to experience a childhood with, like, toys and, like, support and, like, a yard and, like, whatever it is. And then, like, we got, like, the, the like. Steroids. The, yes. Like, they, <laughs> they had the beta version and we got the fucking polished product that was childhood. And the 90s were, like, so much. That's what that was where it's like, fuck, can you believe how these kids are living and, out here? I mean, I have to say this. Millennials, us, our mm -hmm. generation. Yeah. Also clueless. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, graduating from college and being like, well, I have a degree. That means I get to have a job and I'm going to yeah. be fine and I get to make money and I'm all good. Yeah. No. Because that historical context is so easily lost. I mean, at the time, like even at the time it comes out, maybe you can feel it acutely. But like that quickly gets lost to time. And thankfully, the movie is like great in so many other ways. But it's like that is like such a key element into this movie. And I think the reason it was such a huge like explosive generation defining movie especially from this year is because it like touched upon like it feels like three or four or five different nerve endings of like what the time what the culture was and just like fucking had it on a platter in such a such a fun poppy way one billion percent it's wild and sh and shook me to the core when i realized that so many things that were like the iconic fashion elements of clueless uh -huh. have come back primarily amongst the Gen Z sure. crowd. I mean, that sure. is like the moment where you go, fuck. Yeah. I'm old. They're imitating what I wore as a child. That's the new like vintage nostalgic retro. Not to brag, but I studied the history of haute couture in Paris. What is, what is haute couture? Haute couture. Haute couture. Uh, basically fashion. Um, okay. It's the history. High fashion or just like fashion? Yes. High okay. fashion, okay. Uh, designer fashion. Mm -hmm. It's like the highest of. The art form of fashion. Art form, yes. Okay. Um, and I had this teacher, Jean-Pierre Constant. Wow. Who was a, an amazing character of a man. Um, uh -huh. But he, one of the yeah. things he talked about was that um, a real like takeaway element of high fashion is that it's, it refers to the old. Mm. It reminds us of something. It creates a, a level of nostalgia, but with a new twist. Yeah. And that is exactly what Clueless the movie is. Yep. And that is Clueless. Yes. I was going to go into, into legacy, but we've kind of just like finished that up. Yeah. Like it feels like it, we've, you know, it's clear why this movie has stood the test of time. It's such a, if it's not clear and you somehow haven't, listeners haven't rewatched it before listening to this episode, can't recommend it enough. It is such a pleasant, heartfelt, funny, thoughtful, thorough piece of entertainment. It really, and it strangely is, um, it, you know, it's like a movie. I almost mm -hmm. like shudder at calling it a film. That feels like I got you, or but something. but that is like kind of that's what it, it is like a it is like in like the like important kind of film. It way. is pop yeah. art. I mean, it, really it truly is, yeah. is a work of art. Whenever a piece of like a a movie, a like pop movie, that's like a movie that you want to pop in, 
Yeah. And just like I'm gonna I'm gonna unwind and I'm gonna watch this movie, that type of movie. When that type of movie is thoughtful and like really well crafted, and it's basically like a Trojan horse of like you're getting like true quality like storytelling, and it's like again smartest person in the room, dumbest person in the room. It's like and that's such. In my personal opinion, and I respect that people who differ, but it's like that is like what's more valuable than that? It's a true masterpiece. It really is a masterpiece. It's so good. Max had this. We do our top five for like 1995, and Max had this, I think, at number four, number three. I didn't have it on my top five. I had Lahaine. I had Heat. I had Before Sunrise, mm. uh, Toy Story, and Seven is what I had. Damn. I'm going to bump. I'll bump Heat out Absolutely. of Absolutely. Yeah, for Scoot Clueless. over Heat. Yeah. Heat. Nick, as if. Ha <laughs> All right. Thank you again so much for listening. If you like the show, if you like what you heard today, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already on your podcast player. And if you have a moment and enjoyed the show, we would love it and it would mean the world if you left us a good review. Uh, and we'd also love to hear from you. If you agree with us, disagree with us, anything we said today, send us your hot takes, send us your agreements, or your disagreements in an email or voice memo to the Oscar went to at gmail.com. And if we think you're onto something, we'll play it on an upcoming episode. Also, if you have a film you'd like us to talk about, shoot us an email and tell us why you love or hate that movie and we'll consider it for our next deep dive keep in mind that the next year that we're doing is 2001 so if you have a movie that is was released in the year of 2001 please give us your suggestions we're looking for things to deep dive into well, Devin, it has been an absolute pleasure i say you got the job uh max thank you so much and we won't tell max we'll just like let him deduce from us not contacting him love it all right peace out bye